From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to episode 198 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian, Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co-host, executive producer, and good friend, Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Michael? I'm doing well. It's autumn. I'm sure you have already started raking up leaves, seeing the fall color there in Orlando. Oh, all all the time, of course. You know, everyone always commends Florida on its seasons. <laughs> all one of them? Yeah, all one of them. It's the best <laughs> one, though. <laughs> anyway, you know what was funny? When I was out there for the Give Kids the World Dis Family Reunion, we had one uh, an Orlando storm move through here. I, I saw it on Facebook um, that evening. We had thunder, lightning, rain, and everything here. Of course, I told our neighbors, I saw more rain in two hours when I was in Orlando, then two years here in California. <laughs> but um, but we actually are starting to feel fall. Our weather is in this. It's been in the seventies, eighties. It was ninety today. But but um, well, I saw one of our seven year old neighbors a couple doors down. His dad had him raking leaves. So it, we're starting to see some, a little fall color and leaves falling here. Good, very so, good. I'm happy to hear that. I wish I yeah. had the same. Yeah, it's not like, you know, Pennsylvania or anything yeah. like that where my son lives. That That's magnificent color. But we have I some I miss I miss Pennsylvania so much for that reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think I miss their snow, though, when, yeah. I, when I visit my son. <laughs> yes, I will always defend snow. That's just, that's me. <laughs> so does my son. He loves it. It's just special. Makes everything more Even magical. Now? Even though he's a California boy, he loves the snow. I get it. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, we are celebrating the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World to commemorate the opening of the Magic Kingdom on October 1st, 1971. Now, to avoid the events of what became referred to as Black Sunday when Disneyland opened, the Magic Kingdom's opening took place over several days. And the dedication of the entire resort took place on October 25th, 1971, when Roy O. Disney stated, Walt Disney World is a tribute to the philosophy and life of Walter Elias Disney, and to the talents, the dedication, and the loyalty of the entire Disney organization that made Walt Disney's dream come true. May Walt Disney World bring joy and inspiration and new knowledge to all who come to this happy place, a magic kingdom where the young at heart of all ages can laugh and play and learn together. 
and Roy requested to have Mickey Mouse stand beside him during the dedication of the Walt Disney World Resort because he embodied the spirit and positive attitude of his brother Walt, for whom the resort was named. So if you if you feel bad you're not there on October 1st, if you're there on October 25th, well, you're still there for the dedication mm-hmm. of the Walt Disney World Resort. So don't feel bad. So, but I, I will be there October 1st and so will Craig. I doubt we will see each other because I think it's going to be very busy that day, but, uh, but, um, we will be there. So, and I hope to see some of you out there too. So now Craig and I wanted to make this episode special. So not only are we sharing our memories of Walt Disney World, we invited memories of, or members of our Connecting with Walt family to share theirs. So, but first, um, Craig, you will most likely have more memories of Walt Disney World than I, because it is your home resort, and I have a terrible memory. <laughs> so, um, do you want to start off with telling us about your first visit to Walt Disney World? You know what, Michael? That's exactly where I was going to go with it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, and I, I feel like you're selling yourself a little bit short on this one. Uh, we both have terrible memories, uh, so <laughs> uh, we're both uh, in for... For a world of pain on this one, but uh, you, what, what I may have in quantity of stories, I feel like uh, the way you're so able to eloquently put stories together that the quality uh, is going to be better with <laughs> you yours. Mean, so. You mean I talk a lot? <laughs> no, no, you know how to craft the story. So uh. it's 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 an art. So I, uh, I I don't know where you learned it, but I I apparently never got the memo on it, but. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> taking me back to my, my first visit, which is, as I've already said, where I wanted to start with this anyways, uh, my first visit was in 1992 when I was just uh, five years old. And I guess I'm giving away my complete age and year I was born with that. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's something uh being able to see it at five it's something that i really do appreciate because i don't have the greatest memories from that that very first trip uh but i do have i have some really amazing flashes of of that first trip and um i i i wish i i well i don't wish i worry that if i was younger when I went for the first time that I don't even think I'd have that because like I, uh, you know, on bad days, like I think back to that first trip to Walt Disney world and that's like memories that I can vividly grab onto. Uh, but there's not a lot before that time period. And so I, I, I like to base a lot of how my mind works based on that first trip. And uh, I think the reason why it it does stick in my memory the the little pieces that do is because Walt Disney World was the first time I experienced any sort of of theme park. Uh we had a couple small regional parks around where I grew up in Pennsylvania but nothing nothing at all like Walt Disney World. You know, it's it, it was back in the days where the characters were free to roam around. So I can remember meeting Pluto and Goofy all the way back in Fantasyland, just hanging out, kind of like they still do at Disneyland uh, to this day. But I, I remember it just so vividly 
back then. And uh, not only that, but we, we stayed at Port Orleans French Quarter. So back then, just, just Port Orleans by itself. And, you know, I... The, my memories that I have from that, uh, that experience staying there is I thought it was like the largest place in the world. Everything about it was just like oversized. Um, you know, and that's, there's a good reason for that. It's because there are so many aspects, uh, placed in those hotels that are like larger than life that just really, really attract your eyes. But it felt so big. And, you know, I could have swore back then that the, the awesome slide, in the the pool area going down the the serpent's tongue like i could have swore that that was a a slide that was 200 feet in the air like like something you'd find at typhoon lagoon or blizzard beach like it just everything felt massive and grand and as as being that young it just it left such an impact because once you experience something like Walt Disney World, it's hard to really, really like go back from that. <laughs> that's why I think so many people do get attached. And that's why it's, it's even simpler for, for kids to get attached to. And I, my, my favorite souvenirs that I got on that first trip, I still have every single one of them, uh, because, uh, oh, the, well, a lot more than even just three, but uh, I I think I still have every single plush from that first trip that I went on, and I bought a lot, uh, a whole lot. My parents, well, I didn't buy it. My parents did, but uh, they did not hold back when it came to the stuffed animals. Uh, but my my treasured stuffed animals from that first trip, I got uh, the Chip and Dale in their Rescue Ranger outfits, and uh, my favorite photo of me as a kid is me passed out on my dad's duffel bag in the, <laughs> the Orlando International Airport. And I am just passed out, basically face down. And in each arm, <laughs> I'm holding Chip and Dale in one of them. And, you know, of course, I can't remember that at all. But uh, that, that photo is like my favorite thing in the world. So I still have those. And I uh, I just dug them out and, and looked at them recently when kind of reflecting back onto that first trip. And then uh, the the thing that kept me through until the next time that we went to Walt Disney World is that my parents bought uh, the pictorial souvenir guide that they had back back then. And, you know, they did them for many, many years. And it's kind of fallen off completely, which is, mm -hmm. a, is a shame. But, uh, you know, it's in the 90s for sure and probably even to the, to the 2000s a little bit. Uh, they would release basically just a book full of pictures of Walt Disney World and, you know, the professional shot pictures that that look like they should be postcards. And in many cases, they probably are, too. But uh, just real basic look at all of Walt Disney World and and back then having Pleasure Island in it, too, and all that like it. I just combed over this book over and over and over again, and it is being held together right now with scotch tape just to just to keep it alive. But uh, that was it was the coolest thing is that I could leave Walt Disney World and have all the memories that I had from it. But uh, then I had this book to just hold me over until the next time we got to go back. Uh, I think that, and then of course, you know. Rewatching over and over again the Muppets at Walt Disney World, 
because that that helped ease the pain and make me remember being on on star tours and and uh and big thunder mountain railroad and all those awesome rides but yeah that's uh that's a brief overlook at the memories i have from my very first trip uh, minus the one that i wasn't i was going to leave out but i also remember uh just like it was yesterday standing at the exit of space mountain just as we got off the ride and i was in love with it i was just barely tall enough to be able to get on it and it was the greatest thing ever and my sister who's two years older than me uh who should have been a lot braver she was sobbing getting off space mountain and (laughs) i really remember that probably because it was like first time where i was like yeah maybe i am brave maybe i'm good but uh, then I developed a fear of heights and that all went out the window. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was my, that was my first trip. Michael, what was yours like? Well, you know, I, of course, living in California, I'd been to Disneyland many, many times. And so my first visit to Walt Disney World was when I, it was in 1972 and when I was in my teens and the trip was unexpected. Because I was visiting relatives in Ohio and Kentucky along with my father. And some relatives who lived in Orlando drove up because it was my father's sister and her husband. And they had not seen my father in a long time. It was one of his first visits in many years. And... They, and they suggested, and you know, my father was, we were going to fly back and my aunt and uncle suggested that I help them drive back to Orlando and they'd take me to Walt Disney World. Well, I jumped at the chance of this. I was a brand new driver and had never really driven much at all. And I jumped at the chance to see Walt Disney World, but I had no time to learn about the Magic Kingdom. Because again, this was pre-internet and, and all that. So it wasn't easy to learn about it except what you saw on television, maybe read in the newspapers, you know, Life magazine, which I'd seen. And actually I have it, um, from the opening day. And so I drove down with them. I think I spent half the time sleeping. Being a typical teenager, I think <laughs> I slept in the backseat a whole lot because I remember my uncle saying, I thought you were going to help us drive. And I stayed for a couple of days with them and, and, and it was, it was a very interesting experience because, you know, I, I lost my mother when she would, when I was fairly young and they had lost their daughter as who was very young. And so it was very somber because her room was set up as a shrine as if she was going to go back. And that was when I realized just how much pain they were in. And, um, and and suffering that they were in and grieving. And this was many years ago, because this is my father's older sister. And um and I, I realized when we went to Walt Disney World, my aunt took me. I think she needed it sort of as much as I did, you know, going to Walt Disney World. And of course at mm-hmm. this time it was just the Magic Kingdom. You know, it still had that new park smell, you know, to it. And I just remember going in and thinking at the time, okay, this is a larger version of Disneyland. And because, you know, they duplicated so many of the attractions and all that. And I I remember thinking, okay, you don't, 
just like, even though this was a little early, but I remember like at Disneyland, you would run from Frontierland to Tomorrowland to check out a line at an attraction in Tomorrowland. Like, let's see, I, I, I don't know. I don't think Space Mountain was built at the time, but you would check, you could check out the queue at Space Mountain and see, oh, okay, it's too long. Go do something else. You didn't, I realized you don't do that at Walt Disney World because what's a five minute trot at Disneyland is a 20 minute trot at the Magic Kingdom. So I learned that really fast, but I loved it. We went on Tom Sawyer Island. We, I just, cause I was really impressed with my aunt that she just basically did whatever I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, she didn't necessarily go on anything that was, you know, uh, there, there weren't too many thrill, thrill rides or anything there in those, in that day and age, but she went on everything. We went on the sky buckets and went on a topia. I mean, we did it all. You could easily do the park in one day. Yeah. And, um, it was a lot of fun, and I got a pictorial souvenir. I think it was the only thing I picked up, because I didn't have a whole lot of money with me at the time, being a teenager. I don't remember where we ate or anything like that. And But I just remember it was at a fun time. I really enjoyed it. It didn't... Um, it didn't, you know, impress me like Disneyland did, but I think, you know, that's because I grew up with Disneyland. And yeah. so it, you know, it just had a different feel, feeling for me, but I, I remember loving it and having a great time. And so I stayed with them for a couple of days and then flew home. And my next visit was when I was in university and it was a couple of years before Epcot Center opened. And I remember you could ride the monorail through the construction site to see what was going on. And I think they had a platform. Wow. Even you could stand on. Oh, cool. And look out and see what was going on, um, over there. And since this was still pre-internet, of course, I didn't have a clear idea what the concept was for this park. All I knew is it was not going to be Walt's original concept for, um, the city of the future that I'd seen Walt talk about on television, you know, years ago. And, but there, there were a few more things opened at the Magic Kingdom by then, so that, you know, I had, again, just had, loved it, had a great time. I appreciated the differences that they had in the attractions, because by then they'd opened a couple of things, and they were different from Disneyland. You know, I still went back and forth, do I like you know, and I did my first visit, do I like the Haunted Mansion at Walt Disney World better than Disneyland? I already knew about Pirates. Well, because that was up. I thought, okay, they, they shortened this yeah. and, um, we don't have the whole beginning. And so, yeah, I thought, I thought, okay, people got chipped here. And I didn't know yet the whole story about Western River expedition and all that and what, you know, they were supposed to get that mm-hmm. and not pirates mm-hmm. and well, how pirates got to be. And anyway, but, um, so I appreciated Walt Disney World more for its differences from Disneyland. And of course, Mr. Toad was just a totally different experience. And and I didn't realize right away, I think it wasn't until my second trip, because I could go on it multiple times, that the two sides were different. 
there's two completely different experiences. So I thought that was so cool. I remember. And I, and I liked the submarine voyage better at Walt Disney World because it was closer to the film. And I thought the submarines were so cool that they looked like the Nautilus. But I liked, but I liked our lagoon better at Disneyland because I thought it looked more lush and how, you know, it's sort of nestled into a corner and you walk from the Matterhorn down the road. So you overlook the lagoon as you walk down. Yeah. I, I love how Disneyland's not flat and you have these different elevations that, um, they're not able to have with Magic Kingdom because they had to elevate it all in order to put in the Utilidors, which I didn't really know that much about at the time. So, but I got to on my second trip really appreciate the differences between the two parks and, and really enjoyed it. So, so what's, what's the next trip that you, um, what's your next memories? Yeah. Okay, Cause mine aren't for a long time after that. Yeah, mine cuz I I think I've talked about it a little bit on this show before, uh but I'll just recap it. My my experience kind of goes in like a little I I'd say blocks. So uh, my my trips when I was really little, I shouldn't even say really little, but uh in single digit ages uh was in 92, 94 and 96 in then we took a big pause from Walt Disney World to to do other destinations and see other places and and then we came back in 2000 and because you know with the the millennium celebration it was it was a big deal uh, it was a, a big time to come to Walt Disney World and then after that is kind of i i would define the you know teenage years of me visiting that you know, we, we started coming more and more often. I think it was like 2003, then 2005, then 2006. Then I think my sister came on her first program in 2007, maybe. I might, I might be a little early on that, but, um, it, then once she lived down here, then it was, you know, it went from, <laughs> you know, once a year, maybe twice a year, then to three or four times a year to come down and visit her and see her. So then it just became more frequently. And then, of course, eventually, moving here and taking part of it too. So that's kind of the different, uh, the different progressions of mine. So in the first, in that first block, um, the, besides the memories I already talked about on that first trip, I, I have, I start to get like very sparse memories in, in that section because I know we were doing so much. Um, I, I can, I can remember, uh, being on the sky buckets, I I remember a lot more attractions vividly. Once you get to this period, specifically the the Epcot attractions with um, with Horizons and World of Motion and and the better older version of Spaceship Earth. Uh, I'll, I'll, I just I can remember doing all of these nonstop and uh, Food Rocks as well too. I was obsessed with that show and <laughs> I, I i still have a a fond attachment for that i don't think i ever saw kitchen cabaret i think i was too young for that but uh food rocks oh man that was that was just one of my absolute favorite things and uh 
yeah, watch it on YouTube if you haven't ever <laughs> seen it seen it before. It's uh, it's really goofy. Um, but the the one thing I wanted to point out is that with my memories, I do have the one lack of memories that I I don't have really at all from when I was younger is eating at Walt Disney World. And it, it, it didn't make me think about it until you mentioned you didn't know which restaurants you went to. Uh, I'm I'm kind of the same way with those first trips. I can I remember like again eating at uh, Port Orleans uh, French Quarter. I remember eating in the the food court that they had there, and I remember going to uh, Chef Mickey's when it was at Downtown Disney in the marketplace instead of being in the Contemporary and. Uh, that's uh, that. That's a big one that stands out. And eating at the Concourse Steakhouse on the fourth floor of the Contemporary, thought that was just the coolest thing that we just got to watch the monorail keep going by as we were sitting inside and being at night. Like just, oh, you know, it was. It, it's the reason why I am obsessed with the Contemporary, like I am at this day. And I remember eating at Ohana one time for the uh, character breakfast and getting to meet all, all the characters then but that's kind of it when it comes to food so i'm not i'm not sure if food just wasn't remarkable back then or you know if i was too busy making good memories with the other things we were doing i'm not sure but uh just i, I don't really have anymore so i need to talk to my parents about what we used to do back then uh, to figure yeah. that all out, but I uh, had some had some a couple cool experiences uh, as as I went throughout. I think I've maybe mentioned at least one of them on the show before previously. But uh, the big the big memory that stands out with me in uh, in 1996, we were at Hollywood Studios back then, Disney MGM Studios, and. We got caught in a massive rainstorm very close to the the backlot area, and it was just absolutely downpouring and and was just you, you had to hide and run for cover and when we did, it just turned out that we were standing next to uh, two um, two celebrities at the time. And I mean, I guess they technically still are now, but uh, Jason Marsden and mm-hmm. uh, and Will Friedle. And back then, um, you know, Will Friedle was Corey Matthews' brother, Eric Matthews on Boy Meets World. And that was his big thing and pretty much still is besides Kim Possible. He did the voice of Ron in that as well, too. And uh, Jason Marsden, uh, people would know him a lot from... Um, you know, Hocus Pocus. He's the voice of Thackeray Binks, not the mm-hmm. not the alive version of him, but but <laughs> the voice. Uh, of course, he is the voice of Max Goof in a Goofy movie, and he basically popped up on all of the the ABC sitcoms back in the the nineties. He was on Step by Step. He was on Boy Meets World for a little bit. Uh, he just he would randomly pop up on those shows and and be a part of them, and so like. At, at that time, again, I'm nine years old, I think, at that point. And these were like the greatest celebrities that I could meet at that point in time. Uh, it was the biggest deal. And they were so nice. And they took our their, their photo with us as we were <laughs> still sheltering 
from the rain and uh, i i remember they talked they talked like briefly with us in a in a very nice way and uh it was it was so special and then uh to to wrap up that complete loop um it i think it was maybe july 4th of 2019 or 2018 uh a, a friend told us to uh when we were done at watching the fireworks at the Polynesian with them that we could stay and hang out with his one friend who was, was coming over to the Polynesian and, you know, they were, they were going to do drinks at Trader Sam's. So if I wanted to come along with them, then I could crash at the table. And so I'm like, yeah, of course, cause I'm gonna, I always want to spend time with my friends when I can. And a holiday is a good time for that. Uh, but anyways, uh, come to find out that the the friend that my friend was meeting was actually Jason Marsden that they met uh, they met through I think one of the conventions uh, that they came into town they were able to meet and they became friends and so uh, luckily uh, my sister was also at the Polynesian and um, and so I was like okay now that I know that he's here i need to call her and see if she can come over and hang out too and she was able to so uh we were able to you know after having drinks with jason marsden for the uh, hours hours i think we closed trader sam's that night uh we were also able to recreate a little bit of the photo from that earlier trip so it's it was kind of like one of those cool things it's like when he met him back in 1996, who would have known that one day we'd be hanging out with him again so casually? So uh, that was that was really special, and uh, that then slightly not as special, but also a big memory from '96 uh, with that trip in particular. That was the first time we did a split stay and got away from Port Orleans french quarter there wasn't any availability so uh that trip we had the unfortunate uh task to have to stay at the polynesian and uh stayed there for a couple days and then moved over to what uh, then was dixie landings but now port orleans riverside and so i just i remember being completely enamored with with the Polynesian and the fact that they had the day beds in the room meant that I didn't have to share a bed with my sister. So I had my own little, little space. And I, I think that's really when I kind of caught the, the bug with, with Tiki and, uh, in really being a, a fan of the, the Polynesian vibes, but that hotel left a, a big, a big footprint in my memory on that trip it was it was something else getting to stay there oh yeah i love the polynesian so well my next trip wasn't for a while because i started going back to disneyland i had a spell where i didn't go to any disney parks my mother had passed my brother passed my sister had gotten married and moved off and she didn't really care for disney parks my father had no interest my father has never had never set foot in a disney park so finally when i was able to i started to go to parks on my own or with friends and then when carol and i met like I, you know i went to the my first big trip 
back to Disneyland for the 25th um, family reunion, they called it, for its 25th anniversary. I went with some college friends. And then um, Carol and I went there for my 30th birthday. But we went to Walt Disney World for a honeymoon when we were talking about where do you want to go for a honeymoon. We were planning our wedding and all that. I said, uh, Walt Disney World. And I guess Carol knew not to argue. And so, um, I remember she got the, she went to AAA and she got all the brochures and all that. And, um, you know, we started looking through them and planning what we wanted to do and what pack, you know, packages now that we got our package through AAA and our tickets and all that. And the Caribbean Beach Resort was fairly new at the time. Mm-hmm. And we had no idea what to expect because I'd never stayed at a resort. Carol had never been there. And so we were, of course, blown away by the um, Caribbean Beach Resort. And I remember the, you know, we, uh, you know, it, it was just seemed so lush and tropical and very different from what we had out here. And I remember, so we, we check in. I don't remember what island, what area we stayed in, but, Carol, so and, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, I know. I just remember we had to walk across the bridge to get over to, um, like the food court. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause we ate there quite a few times. But so we, I think we were then off somewhere on the other side. Cause we also walked over to catch the bus. We learned that by the time the bus got to us, it was full. So we had to walk across the bridge to get to go to the first area to get the bus. So, but we, uh, but the funny thing is, so we get in, you know, it was a long flight from California. And so Carol wants to take a shower. She turns on the shower head. I remember the shower and the shower head falls off and water's (laughs) just gushing. And then the handle falls off. (laughs) So we can't even turn it off. So we call the front desk and they send uh, a, um, uh, you know, maintenance fellow out and on the airplane we flew first class which because we decided for our honeymoon we're going to fly first class and carol traveled a lot for her job so she used points to upgrade us they gave us so many bottles of wine and champagne to take with us it was there was just no way we were going to drink all this because we weren't big drinkers so we gave him a bottle of wine (laughs) so when he was there we have a photograph of him you know him standing there with carol i think i took a photo (laughs) once he fixed everything it was just so funny anytime we rode the bus it seemed like beach boys kokomo had come out and that (laughs) seemed like that's all the plate on the bus i mean so the yeah. That became our song. Aww. And even when years and years later, you know, you know, it was like anytime that song came on, we just sort of giggled and looked at each other and, you know, remember the honeymoon and we'd talk about it and all that. But, um, they got a lot of mileage. I don't know if they, I haven't stayed at Caribbean Beach since then, but I've always been curious. Listeners, let us know. Are they still playing Kokomo? <laughs> on the bus that goes around there. So, um, if they're not, they should be. I know, I know. It, it, I just thought that was funny. Yeah. That's great. The, um, so this was our first experience, you know, with Epcot. 
center at the time. And we went on everything and loved it. I mean, it blew us away. These grand pavilions, you know, horizons and, and, you know, everything that we've, we've talked about on the show, you know, journey into imagination, the original one and Epcot was Carol's favorite park from that day on. She just loved it. And, you know, back then, you know, they, they didn't have the Disney characters in it. Mm-hmm. They, they had these weird walk around characters with big heads. They were a little scary. And then they had, um, you know, they still had parades in there. So that was cool. They were still running the omnibus that they, that they had stolen from the Magic Kingdom mm-hmm. was yep. still running around there. But, uh, you know, they still had, Ben Franklin and all that, you know, with the calling out the children and making them, I don't know if they made them honorary because they had them at American Adventure and also at Liberty Square. They would have a big thing and it all get a copy of the Declaration of Independence and, you know, big ceremony, which it's sad they've gotten rid of that kind of thing that really, you know, educated the kids made it made a real special memory for them and um, was part of the theme. As compared to Muppets. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, it, it's sad they've lost that aspect of it because they easily could have kept that. And, and still, um, even with making Epcot, you know, Magic Kingdom 2.0 as they're doing it now. Yeah. But anyway, so we loved it, but the Disney MGM studios had just recently opened. So we went over there, spent time over there as well, and we loved Primetime Cafe because they were at the height of doing their shtick, you know, with the aunt and the uncle and keep your elbows off the table, which they don't do now at all. There's like almost none of it left. Just, you know, Ma's in the kitchen and, you know, and that's as far as it goes now. And about, you know, check your, you know, what color was the soap if you went to the bathroom, you know, make sure you washed your hands and you have to eat all your vegetables and clean your plate before dessert and all that. All of that is gone. And it's really too bad. And I understand, you know, some of the guests didn't get into it, but, you know, too bad. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. That was just a part of it. And it's, it's too bad we have to cater to the minority these days. Yeah. You don't, you don't go to a place like that. Unless you want to play along. And granted, maybe you didn't do the research and you just said, oh, this looks like a good menu. I'll go there. <laughs> but yeah, it's it it should be a thing. And luckily, there are some servers there who, who push it more than others. But I can understand why some don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we were there once with our children. I'll get into that memory. When the first time we took our children, we went there. And because it was always anytime we went there, we'd go to Primetime Cafe. And... There was a couple from Germany there, and they did not get what was going on at all. And the servers were still doing their shtick. And um, we we were entertained by watching this German couple just sitting stiff back, straight up, stone face, but you could just see them getting redder and redder and redder <laughs> because the the server was not reading them and did not let up. And um, it was just fascinating because I was just waiting for them to blow. 
wanted them to blow. And I have a feeling there was probably a conversation at some point with a manager somewhere. <laughs> but um, anyway, but so we had a good time. You know, I think Carol, you know, when they had the full backlot tour, that was when the backlot tour was like hours long. Yeah. That you went through. And I think Carol got selected. There was a point where you got selected to be filmed as part of you were on like this tugboat or the ship and you had to wear a slicker. And then this water came over yep. you and you were filled. Super- Carol got selected for that. <sighs> Little did we know how much water there was going to be with the wind, the, the, the wind machine and all that stuff. It was a hoot, but she, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> But, the, but then, but, uh, and then we went to, um, oh, there was another memory. We were standing in front of it was the, um, it was the sound stage, whatever it was where you went in and they played like a, a, a it was a pseudo like horror movie and like you had to put in all the sounds and oh, you know, like when the chandelier dropped. Yeah, monster sound stage and all that. And the problem is, you might remember, there was no shade in this park mm-hmm. in the early days. People were literally passing out in the queues. And they had cast members going around with large um, backpacks of lemonade in their back and just giving out free lemonade to ke- in, in the queues to keep the guests cool. I remember and, when that used to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and they selected me to be a participant in that. And as they pulled me, as they brought me up and they said, um, do you know why we selected you? I said, no. And they said, you were the only one out there who had a smile on his face. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought that was funny. And, um, but the first park we went into on our honeymoon was the Magic Kingdom. We were married in July. And we went there on July, we were married July 1st, and then we stayed overnight and then flew out July 2nd. And we, and, and we didn't get there till the evening. So we went there, we went into the Magic Kingdom July 3rd. And it was a hot, hot July day. And, um, we were there, we went to Magic Kingdom our first two days there. July 3rd and 4th. July 4th broke all records, and that's a story. No. July 3rd, though, it was humid, and Carol had not experienced humidity like this. She was miserable and unhappy. And I'm experiencing an unhappy wife for the first <laughs> time in my life as a newlywed, married, like, Three days, barely. And so I'm, so we're walking around and Carol announces she does not want to stand in any lines. And I said, there's lines everywhere. I said, it's July and it's a Disney theme park. We're not going to be able to vote. Well, I'm not standing in any lines. And so we're walking around, walking around. And um, I see there's Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. There's this big waiting area. There's no lines. There's nobody in it. I said, look, let's go on the Susanne Robinson treehouse. And she uh, said, okay, what I did not know is that there were corrals and they had moved everybody from that waiting area that I saw into another waiting area that was closer to the, you know, 
scaling the tree. So there actually was a significant line oh for the God. Swiss Family Robinson treehouse. And, um, oh, Carol did not let me forget that. We went on the treehouse. And, uh, th- and that, but then that became a running joke for us. Every time we passed the treehouse for like the rest of our lives, she always brought that up. Look, no line. <laughs> so, um, so that was funny. But then we waited for, to see the uh, uh, Main Street Electrical Parade. It was our favorite parade at Disneyland. And we thought we'd sit in Frontierland because it wasn't as crowded there. And then Carol announces she's thirsty and she wants a Diet Coke. Well, this might have been the 4th of July when the park exceeded the number of people it had ever held before. And they were starting to run out of food and drinks. And so what they were doing is as they were starting to shut down, um, eating establishments as they ran out of supplies. And then they were moving cast members from other areas to the areas that were still open. So I go and I find a place serving drinks and I'm thinking, I'm in Frontierland, but why is this person dressed in a, in a Main Street costume and all that? Because I knew from my cast member days at Disneyland, this is not right and yeah. I don't get it. So anyway, so I get sodas for us. Well, in the meantime, they roped off my route back to Carol. She was in front of, I think, the Golden Horseshoe or the Diamond Horseshoe. And I have zero idea how to get back to her because I don't know this park. Well, I discovered the route, which is the big route through Adventureland and then back and all this stuff. So I finally get to her. It took me the longest time. I was just not in a happy mood. And I just said, here's your drink. And she said, well, the ice is melted. And I thought, are you kidding me? That's hilarious. <laughs> so we sit there and it, the, the electrical parade starts and all that. And so then we, um, we, <laughs> It starts, well, what I didn't know is, is that the Disneyland Main Street Electrical Parade had more floats. Because, you know, ours is the original, so they had added to it over the years. And then Magic Kingdom got theirs later, but they didn't have all these, you know, we still had the old, some of the older floats on there, but we also had had a Pinocchio float, things like that. They didn't have, and, and a longer Snow White float. And all that. And so, and, and we started chatting with the people next to us because Carol would chat with anybody. And so they were talking about how excited they were. This is their favorite parade and all the stuff. We saw oh, us too. So the parade, you know, rolls through and, and then suddenly there is, you know, salute to America. I'm thinking, where's the, where's the rest of the parade? So like half of it's missing. And it goes through, and the, this young couple we've been chatting with, who are so excited about it, said, wasn't that great? And I said, well, where's the rest of it? And they said, what? I said, this is only half the parade. Where's the <laughs> other half? And they, <laughs> I could just see this look of disappointment in their eyes, and I realized I have ruined this parade Good. for this couple. <laughs> I felt terrible. <laughs> so... Oh my gosh. But then, then they had the fireworks and we had relatives 
they told us, they were telling us, this is going to be televised, because that's when they still had did the television specials mm-hmm. from Walt Disney World for Easter and Independence Day and Christmas and all that stuff. And, and they were real, that they, they weren't commercials for, you know, everything, every television show and every Adventures by Disney and Cruise Line and everything else. And so, um, they said, they, so they, they told us, oh, they're filming here and, and, you know, everybody's there with them because we called them to say hello. And everybody's on Main Street with, with, um, American flags. And we said, no, they're not. No, that, what are you watching? And we realized that's when we learned that parades and the fireworks and all that are pre-recorded. <laughs> because we said, we are standing on Main Street and there is no one here with an American flag. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so anyway, but so that was funny. And, um, but then getting out of the park, it was wall to wall people. I mean, because again, they exceeded capacity and the cast members are trying to get people out. We're literally not moving. And then uh, a woman, a rather large woman with a stroller starts screaming, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I need to get out of here, I have a baby. And she starts ramming me with her, um, with her, her, her little, her big stroller, which I don't know where the baby was in all this, because I just saw it loaded with park bags filled with, with souvenirs. So the baby was somewhere in there, or it was in a bag, I don't know. And so, so then, so I said, listen, hitting me is not going to get you anywhere. We all are trapped in here right now. You just have to wait. And I, by this time, it was hot. It was humid. I was tired. I was dealing with Carol, who was even more so. And I, I mean, I was done. I was spent. And then an older lady turns around to me and says, you need to be more considerate of older people because, you know, we were young of of older people and da da da. And she starts lecturing me. And I turned to her and said, if I were an old person, I would not be in this park tonight. (laughs) She just. That that's how I was at my wits end. And she just turned around and didn't say another word. They literally, at the time they used to have little fences at the lawns, you know, around the castle. Yeah. The yeah. Hub, they had us stepping over those oh and all gosh. that in order to get us out of the park. And that was the first time I experienced as a guest having backstage areas opened up because of them trying to get us out of that park and all that. And so um, it was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. So, um, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, um, that sounds Spike. great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But, um, yeah, those are my adventures. Our first trip with, um, our children was a little less, uh, 
adventurous, sort of. It, Carol was now going to, Carol with, was working for Citibank, and they were having conferences every couple of years at Walt Disney World. And usually I didn't go because the children were so little. And finally they got old enough that we thought, you know, we'll take them out of school. And this one conference was during Easter. So we could take them, we didn't have to take them out of school very long. We went during the Easter break. And I was still teaching, so it meant I could go. That was the other reason I couldn't go, too, is because I was still teaching. And so we stayed at the Swan Dolphin, where the conference was, and they upgraded us because the Carol was fairly high up in the company. And um, they upgraded us. We had this beautiful suite with a balcony that overlooked, you know, the the water and and all that. It was wonderful. And we learned because this was the Animal Kingdom soft opening. And we learned that uh, there were a lot of stars there. And our daughter was not only going through a terrible phase where she would throw little tantrums, but she had a crush on Leonardo DiCaprio. And one of our, um, our, I don't know, the person that cleaned up our room, one of our attendants said that um, Leonardo DiCaprio was staying two floors above us. And I said, do not tell our daughter. (laughs) And so, because she will be up there knocking on every single door. And all that. But I, I remember, oh gosh, because the children still had to do homework during then. So they do homework for part of the day and then we go into parks and Carol would have a conference and join us. And I just remember Joni having one of her fits and she's, she has literally thrown herself on the floor. It's like something out of a television show and she is just kicking her, her fists and her, her, um, her uh her and her feet on the floor. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. And so and Carol has to go to a conference and we wanted I don't know where we were heading off to. And um and she's saying, My life is I'll just say poop. That's not the word she used, but you can probably figure it out. And I turn I, at this point I'm just thinking, really? Really? And I look at the door and I see, you know how they always have on the door what the rack rate is Mm -hmm. along with the emergency evacuation procedures. I say, yes, your life is poop as you're throwing a fit on the floor of a room that costs $460 a night. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. She calmed down after that. But I think Carol made her stay with her at the conference that for part of that day because we were going to um i think blizzard beach or typhoon lagoon we were going to one of those places that that day so she missed out on that so um anyway but we got to go to um animal kingdom and i have the little booklet that they gave us with all the concept art because it was open just to resort guests so we had an assigned day that we could go had a wonderful time that was when um Camp Minnie Mickey was open. We have some great photos of the kids with Camp, you know, with Mickey Minnie in their little safari gear. And they still had the boat cruise going around. You know, the cruise oh, where yeah, you yeah, yeah. really didn't see much of anything, but it was sort of coming attractions. I wish they had that. I wish they'd done more with that because I like boat cruises like that. I was good about it. Yeah, but we had fun. We had fun. I was always disappointed they never did Beastly Kingdom. Yeah. Because they had a great dragon breathing 
fire breathing dragon effect on there. But they had, they had a really nice area set up to where Asia was going to be built that was cool on the banks there as a coming attraction. Yeah. And all that. So, so that was fun. We had, we had a nice time. We stayed there 10 days and we still didn't see everything because we wanted to go play miniature golf, which I've never done. So on one of my trips, I wanted to play miniature golf there. Yeah. And, um, and all that. So that was, that was, those are a couple of real memorable trips. I know. Yeah. Uh, we share a, uh, we, we share a distinction together that, uh, both of us were featured in Walt Disney World attractions at one point because you mentioned you were on Monster Soundstage. But uh, I also forgot that in my mid '90s trips, uh, I got to be on Superstar Television, the mm-hmm. uh, the the show that happened right next door to where Monster Soundstage is. And so uh, currently, if you're going to see Frozen Ever After, or not Frozen Ever After, whatever Frozen Sing Along, that is. Uh, that that's where the superstar television show was and i really i really don't remember that show really well because it, the my biggest memory from it is being in it so i don't remember what it looked like from the audience i only remember uh, getting to be a part of it but uh yeah for so the show was basically there was small little vignettes from a bunch of very popular shows and uh, in my case uh, i got to uh, portray um thurston Howell the third from oh, gilligan's funny. island and <laughs> you know of course it was comical it was like me and then one other one other girl playing uh lovey and so you know the whole joke is flipped over that it's instead of older people portraying them it's it's two young kids um but yeah that was that was such a cool experience. I, mm-hmm. I I actually did forget about it until <laughs> until you mentioned Monster Soundstage. Like, oh yeah, that that happened to me too. Um, but yeah, as I got older, rides just got so much more important to me. And I remember our, our two thousand trip like vividly uh, for multiple reasons. You know, as the I was older at that point, I was thirteen years old, so. I could remember a lot more with it, but uh, that was that was the trip that uh, we just it was we just spent our entire time doing e-ticket rides, and I know that because I still have all the photos to prove it from <laughs> photo one on dinosaur and rock and roller coaster and Tower of Terror and Splash Mountain, just just all of them. I mean, not the mm-hmm. thirteen or whatever that they have today or twenty something, uh, but back then that was. I, I I had them from every single attraction to remember it because it's from that difference in age, uh, you know, only four years, but uh, getting to see how the parks changed over those four years and all the additions they made with, with stuff like rock and roller coaster and animal kingdom as a park as a whole, it was, it was fascinating. And, you know, after a couple of years off, that's, it, it really made me, uh, fall back in love with Disney, and if if I didn't before love it, but uh, it's something something clicked on on that trip. And the coolest part it, now at this point though is that we do have the internet. So now it went for me taking back 
uh, <laughs> taking back uh, books to be able to look at the pictures and such. And it evolved into getting on the internet and seeing what other people had to say on places like the Diz and, and Intercot and All Ears and all the, the original ones from back then. And, um, and gosh, the 2000s, that's when, that's when I became obsessed with park music even bigger. And, uh, that has just obviously fueled me. And that's why I, I play it all the time now. But, uh, that, that was, that was a huge sticking out point. And, you know, not all the memories were good too. I remember when I lost my wallet on rock and roller coaster and, I was far too old to be crying and have a meltdown, but I had a couple hundred dollars in there for my souvenirs that I just completely lost and, and was gone. And so I'm sitting crying at Sci-Fi Dine-In, and their way to make me feel better was uh, was they gave me a free milkshake and a souvenir cup and uh, a Frisbee that glue in the <laughs> dark and uh, glow, glows in the dark, not glue. I don't, I don't know if that's the past tense for it but anyways uh (laughs) that was like the first time i can remember also getting that like extra disney magic from cast members and how much they made a difference because uh they did they cheered me up with that and then sure enough the halfway through the end of the day went and checked the lost and found my wallet was there intact and with all the money still inside and every everything worked out so i think that was the trip where like i really really discovered how the importance of cast members as well Mm -hmm. as the rides and, and everything else that, that was a part of visiting Walt Disney world. And yeah, it just that, that trip and then coming home and getting involved in the internet and constantly looking at Disney websites that just, that, that just set me off. And, you know, as time went on, then I was listening to podcasts once they came around as we were traveling down to see my sister and, and that was something that also obviously left a big impact that has paid off to this day. But, uh, it really all changed once I moved down here and, and started working for Walt Disney world at first and did my college program. And, uh, we talked about that before I was at test track and, uh, which I am, I'm so happy about it now. And, I hate the current version there, but I loved the last version of that ride. And I, it just every single stairwell back of house area, every, every part of that attraction is like just burned into my memory because (laughs) of how much I loved working there and, you know, getting, getting up at, 530 in the morning to get there at 615 to walk the track to turn it on because that's what we did i mean just just absolutely incredible to doing the test rides in the morning and you know every night uh that we'd close the 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 ride would clear of all guests and then we would all jump on and double check that no guests had somehow you know gotten gotten snuck out and went to the went into one of the darker areas and hid so they can walk around later or just got caught in the wrong stairwell or something like that. So we'd get to ride all the time at the end of the night with no one else there. And, um, you know, just, just the back of house areas that, that I got to see at that time too, from my first experience down in the utilidors and finding out that they are not 
cracked up to what most people expect them to be. But, uh, you know, I, I still got to see them in that way and it was really cool. And, uh, I loved, as I've talked about on the show before, getting, uh, getting to go inside the, the cranium command theater and see a lifeless buzzy just bent over with light shining on him like he was a a ghost in the room or something um but it was so cool getting getting to go and see that uh not not like i wasn't allowed to but my trainer knew how to get in so that's how how he got us in there and uh yeah there was just so so many memories i only did it for two for two months but um yeah, every every day I tried to act like it was it was going to all end, which it inevitably did. But uh, I, I made the most of my time, and I got to do cool things. I missed out on my haunted mansion walking tour, and I missed out on uh, the spaceship Earth walking tour because I I was let go, and then like a week later, my team got to walk the track of spaceship earth Uh but i did get to do um i I got to do one special experience where we got to ride rock and roller coaster with the lights on and oh that would be interesting it's yeah it actually i think it's a cool attraction uh both in the dark but then also with the lights on because it gives you a better scope of how big that ride track is and uh and you know just just how cool it is and the scariest part of this was um you know it was since it was for a special event they they knew we were all there and why we were specifically doing it after after the ride was closed and they stopped us on the final like flat section with brakes and that literally overlooks um the entire the entire ride and it, the best view you have though of it is you can see the launch perfectly from that perspective so they had us just stuck on this last brake block as they were firing they think they sent two trains in so we just got to sit there and watch how they come in and start moving around in in the building and it was just it was so cool uh, i wish i wish i would have gotten to do the spaceship earth and haunted mansion experiences but at least i got one and then yeah. other people yeah. i was with uh, with the program uh, you know, they told me by the end of it, they never got a chance to experience anything like that. So maybe it was just that I was at test track and they gave us a little extra love because of how crazy <laughs> it is. But yeah. yeah, it was a lot of good times on my college program. <laughs> it sounds like it. That's great. But I'm, and speaking of like podcasts and all that, yeah, when I first, you know, when the internet was born and I, you know, I would go online to, um, you know, by that time, when it, when it sort of all started, I was a, a night school dean of a local college, and Carol was working days. So we, like, rarely saw each other for a while. And then she had to work on Saturdays. And so um, so when I, by the time I come home, she was asleep, and I was sort of still awake. And so I would go online, and I would look up, I was a scoutmaster, so I'd look up stuff about scouting, the scouting, you know, boards. And then I started discovering the Disney boards, too, and I discovered the Diz, and that's when I told Carol, it was Christmas my birthday, I want, a po- I want an iPod, because I knew the Diz had a, um, you know, they, they had a show, uh, a podcast, and at then it was just the Walt Disney World show, the Orlando show. And 
so I was listening to it. Didn't really bring Carol into it. It was sort of my little thing. I thought she'd think I was too much of a Disney nerd that I was now listening to Disney podcasts. But because um, I listened to a lot of the same ones you did, Craig, that you mentioned and others. And but then I always had said we always wanted to do a a, a um, Panama Canal cruise and a Disney cruise. And I said if ever Disney does. A Panama Canal cruise were on it. Well, sure enough, they did. And it was one of those things. Carol thought, we're not going to argue. He's doing it. We'll figure out how to afford it. And we got up mm-hmm. at some god-awful hour out here on the Pacific Coast. Mm-hmm. You know, and those are the days in families, you know, you just had one computer that the whole family used. It wasn't like it is today. And, um, and, and I, we had our phones, which, were very rudimentary in those days. We had everything going because we had, and I think I brought my, um, I, I think even had my, we had our home computer and then I think I had my work computer from teaching and all that. We had that all set up going and we got in and we booked it and all that. Well, there was when we, and we called it our kingdom to kingdom cruise because we were going to stay at Walt Disney World for a few days, do the cruise, which I think was 16 or 17 days for that version of it, because those are their first ones on the magic. And then we were going to stay a few days at um, Disneyland. So we called it Kingdom to Kingdom Cruise. It's on that cruise, we became Disney Vacation Club members, and that's a whole story. And then we, but what happened was the Diz was having their first live show at the um, Gaylord Palms. And it was going to be when we were there at Walt Disney World. And I thought, okay, how do I bring this up with Carol that I want to go and see this show? (laughs) And now I've got to confess everything that what I've been up to, that I've been listening to these podcasts. I'm really into this one podcast. And these are the golden days of the podcast. And you had Bob and, um, you know, and Pete and Kevin, and they were doing the, the food reviews and, you know, and Corey and, and all, you know, everybody on it, the original crew and Pete, of course. And so, uh, anyway, so what, so because we were traveling and all that, I missed a show or two. I missed a show where Bob passed. And it turned out that reunion, that get together for the live show was his memorial, it had been changed as memorial. And I ended up oh. thinking, okay, I'm not going to tell Carol about it. Yeah. We ended up not going. On the cruise, I downloaded the podcasts I had missed. And on the cruise, I listened to them as I was like sitting on our balcony or something, because there were a lot of sea days. And, um, and then I heard Bob had passed and I was stunned. And, um, and I thought, thank God we didn't roll into the Gaylord Palms in our theme park gear, you know, for his memorial. And, um, anyway, so that was one. I think my other, Really strong memory was 9-11, where I was not at Walt Disney World, but Carol was. And she was there for a conference, but children were in high school. It was in, it was school was in session. Um, 
we were, you know, I, I, I had work. Cherry and I had, we had all just come back from New York because Cherry and I had gone to the Boy Scout Jamboree in Fort AP Hill, Virginia. And when you come from California, the, the units, the Boy Scout units, and I was the first assistant scoutmaster for 200 boys. The first stop was, um, World Trade Center. And, um, you know, you do a tour. Yeah. So you go to New York and you go to Washington, D.C. You go to, um, Virginia. You go to all kinds of Williamsburg. You go to all kinds of places before you go to, um, Fort AP Hill for the, uh, you know, for the big jamboree. And then we went to Virginia Beach for a couple of days afterwards. But, um, so it, we thought, okay, we're not going to take the kids out a school to go to you know to go to Walt Disney World for this conference. So anyway, so you know, we hear about what happened. Carol's conference got canceled, of course. So she's stuck at Walt Disney World, all flights canceled. There were other people from her company there. They forgot about her. And they rented a car, got one of the last rental cars and drove back. Carol's stranded. And now she is just watching over and over again yeah. the, the the twin towers falling and she's going nuts and the the people at the resort were so nice the manager was taking her out to dinner and all that the parks we opened i'm telling her go to the parks get out of that room and do something stop watching tv and she um she just couldn't she just couldn't do it she was just, you know, we were all horrified mm-hmm. that day and, and the day, and for the days after. And we, um, and finally I told her, I am, I'm going to find someone to watch the kids. I'm renting a car. I am driving to Florida because I'd driven cross country with a, a friend of mine who was a priest. And, um, when, when we were in college and I, so I know how long it takes. And I'll get there in a few days, and I'm bringing you home. Because we had no idea when planes are going to be allowed to fly. Exactly. And on the day I was ready to roll, um, the uh, they they announced that they were going to um, allow flights to resume. But Orlando was one of the last ones because, as we know, you know the the. People responsible for it had gone to a flight training school there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but then, and so when next time we went to Walt Disney World, Cal showed me the bench. See, so, cause what basically what the airlines did is they just announced, we don't know when we're going to resume, come to the airport. Yep. Is what United, I think, told her. So everybody went there and they pulled benches from around the airport. I guess they weren't nailed down, secured, and they just put them in the, in the lines. And Carol showed me the bench that they dragged that she had slept on in the airport in, in the United queue. And then, um, the next time we went there, I thought, okay. So, um, and then, uh, and then it was weird because 20 years later for the anniversary of 9-11, I'm at Walt Disney World for the Dis family reunion. And uh, I thought, okay, this is a, it was, so it was sort of sobering. You know, for yeah. that. And I think it was the night of our, our, um, event at Galaxy's Edge. So it was that yeah. day. So anyway, but, and of course we had, um, we had a, one of my fond memories is when you and I explored Epcot 
together in anticipation for the, you know, starting to do our Epcot series. We went all around and we looked for hidden show buildings for attractions that were never built and all that and did all kinds of things. And you drove me around property. Yep. So we found the old airfield, I remember, and yep. did stuff. That was fun. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. So always, always try to have fun when we're together. Yeah. We try. Yeah. I think we usually yeah, when, succeed when we can get together. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> but, so. Yeah. No, a lot of, a lot of good memories. I'm trying to think if memories. I could think of any more like with the Diz, but it all, like, I don't, I, don't like saying it in this way, but it all just like blends together. It does. When- well, all the podcast cruises. I've been on every single one. Carol went on a lot of them. And so we always have fun with our friends that we met through the Diz. You know, we always met up with them at Walt Disney World. It's funny. As we started recording the show, I got, I saw a message pop up from friends I met through the Diz who are travel with us on adventure on some of the adventures by disney trips i went on saying i heard you're going to be there for the 50th do you want to get together and i thought you know this is what's special about the diz is the is the community that you know has built up you know out of it yeah so i agree with anyway yeah so who knows who knows who i'll bump into when i'm out there it's a little weird Still going to the parks without Carol, but, um, you know, but, but I always managed to meet somebody along the way in one of the parks. And with the 50th anniversary, I think that's going to absolutely happen. I mean, I hope so. So many people are coming in for it. It is, it's such a big deal. And I mean, I think we kind of explained why it's just with this entire episode recalling our memories. It's just, it's this place just, it sparks them in you. And mm-hmm. that's why we all keep coming back, especially for the big anniversaries. And I was at the 40th. And if the crowd is anything uh, like it was then, uh, is the I can remember not being able to move. And I can remember my dad going to Casey's to get me dinner because I had to just come over after work, I, I believe. And, and I was starving. And so he just he could not get back to me because the crowds were just were just that bad very similar to your uh, electrical parade <laughs> story and so to get me the food literally he had to pass my hot dog through the crowd which you know just disgusts me <laughs> completely <laughs> um now at this point in time but when i was hungry yeah i didn't care if five strangers were were touching my dog on the way uh, just so I could get to it, but uh, if, if it's as crazy as it was that night, uh, then we're in for a treat. And uh, to put it into perspective, that night they did uh, perimeter fireworks with wishes, and they had uh, like special cupcakes in the morning. And I want to say, you know, the park, maybe a button or a special park map, mm-hmm. just simple stuff like that. But. Uh, yeah, there was nothing, and it was that busy. So this one having Enchantment debut on October 1st, uh, we could all be in for a real treat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they'll have 50 special cupcakes, and, you know, for the first 50 people that walk through the park, okay. I assume they'll have buttons and a special map or oh, something like that. Yeah. I, I, d- I just hope that, that they can unfurl the banner. 
<laughs> that would be yeah the the forty fifth anniversary banner. That's another. That's a pretty good memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Anyway, a lot of good memories, and now now it's time to hear from you and some of your uh, special memories. Hi, this is Natalie Futrell from Tallahassee, Florida. My favorite Walt Disney World memory is by far from 2006 when my family and I went to Epcot for the day. We were at Rope Drop and a cast member came up to me and noticed that I was wearing a t-shirt from the hit TV show Lost from ABC at the time and he was a big fan of the show and liked my shirt and asked if my family and I would like to be the family of the day. So of course we had no idea what that meant, but we were able to open the park and then we were assigned to a wonderful cast member. Her name was Linda and she was an elderly woman who had been working at Walt Disney World for a very long time. And she took us to the character spot and we were able to get a great group photo with all of the characters, Mickey, Minnie, Goofy, Donald, everybody in one photo. Then she took us to Test Track and got us to the front of the line. And then to finish it off, we went to Mission Space and she was able to get us to the front of the line and we went backstage. We were able to uh, play in the control rooms and it was so much fun. And we, my family was only there for half a day, but I will never forget the kindness of our cast member, Linda, that helped us that day. That was my by far my favorite memory at Walt Disney World. Hi, I'm Mandy from Louisiana. And while I have so many fantastic memories from Walt Disney World as both a child and an adult, one really stands out and is really special to me. It's a memory that I have with my dad. So in Walt Disney World and really on all of our vacations, my dad was never in the pictures because he was always the one taking the pictures. So on a trip that we took in 1995, when I was 14 years old, we were resting outside of a Magic Kingdom restaurant. And I just picked up the camera and took a picture of just him. And it's actually become one of our family's favorite pictures of him because he just looks so happy, even though he looks half annoyed that I was taking a picture of him. Well, five years later, we lost him to leukemia and lymphoma. So this past year, when we went to Walt Disney World, I took that photo with me and I was determined to find the exact spot that it was taken. And for some reason, I had always been convinced that we had taken it outside of Casey's Corner. I guess I always assumed that because I knew that my dad loved sitting outside of Casey's and listening to the piano player. But when I went to Casey's, the outside didn't match the outside of the restaurant in the picture. So I looked more closely at the picture and using the reflection in the window, I could tell that it was taken in Frontierland. So we head that way and there it is. Pecos Bill, the blue siding with yellow trim, just like the picture. So I stood there in that exact spot where I had stood with my dad 25 years prior to that. And this time with my daughter, 
in all of those happy memories of my dad just came flooding back to me. I mean, it was really overwhelming and emotional. And I think that's just one thing that makes Walt Disney World so special. While it's always changing, it's a constant in our lives. It's a place where we can go time and time again and stand where we stood decades ago with the people that we love. It just holds so much happiness in its walls. So um, happy 50th anniversary, Walt Disney World. We love you. I'm Tracy, also known as Mrs. K Someday on the Diz. My trips to Walt Disney World were between 2006 and 2015. My partner in crime was Bill. He had cerebral palsy and used a power wheelchair. He loved Walt Disney World because he said it made him feel, in his words, normal. Cast members were always so wonderful to us. I had no clue how to help somebody with a disability in Disney, and that's how I found the Diz. With the wealth of information that I found there, I was confident we would have a good trip. Little did I know we would do 12 trips after the first one. So many wonderful people came into our lives because we met Dissers there. We joined the D23 fan club and got to do the Cinderella's Castle tour twice. The pictures of the suite just don't do it justice. It's so gorgeous in person. 2011 brought Destination D, and meeting Bob Gurr was a huge highlight. He took a Sharpie and laid on the floor to sign Bill's wheelchair wheel. Bill was so happy that he was all over Twitter that day. There were so many wonderful, uh, accessible ride vehicles for Bill to use, even though he always stayed in his wheelchair. Toy Story Mania was his favorite. It was, it has a fantastic accessibility system. It made him so happy that he could take his time to load into the ride vehicle. We had our last trip in December of 2015. Even though he wasn't feeling very well, we still had a good time. He always said making memories was better than having things. Even though he's gone... I'm so blessed to have our Walt Disney World memories. I'd like to thank the DISC for keeping completed trip reports for so long because I can still go back and read my story, our story, and see our wonderful memories. Thank you to everyone who took the time to record an audio message for connecting with Walt. We truly do appreciate it. And thank you to everyone out there who actually took the time to write out their stories. Uh, we received just way too many written stories to cram all in this one episode without making it overly long. So Michael and I have decided that we are actually going to make a second episode where we actually read all of your stories. So because of that, you still have time to submit your favorite Walt Disney World memories. Just go ahead and send me the entire message, craig at disneyinfo.com, and we will make sure to include you in an upcoming episode of Connecting with Walt. But now it's time for me and Craig to reminisce about this week in Disney history. All right. Well, here we are. This is starting with October 3rd. So shortly after celebrating his 103rd birthday, 
Disney legend Tyrus Wong was awarded the Chinese American Hero Certificate in San Francisco on October 3rd, 2013. Which Disney feature film did he first work on? Uh, that would be Bambi. That's right. He began his career in animation with Walt Disney in 1938. And when Bambi was conceptualized, Wong presented backdrop artwork using Sung Dynasty landscapes, which was instantly loved by Walt Disney and his artistry revolutionized animation. And if you ever visit the Walt Disney Family Museum in the Presidio of San Francisco, you can see some of Tyrus Wong's artwork on display there. And I remember he was at the museum and I was standing there looking at his artwork on Bambi and he walks up with his daughter and some uh, museum uh, members, some, some of the museum, you know, executives. And he just turns to me and starts chatting about his work and the art and why he did it that way and all that. And I just am standing there thinking, oh my gosh, Tyrus Wong is talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> right? So it was amazing. So. Okay, on October 4th, the second episode of the Mickey Mouse Club airs on ABC TV on October 4th, 1955. It is guest star day. Which Disneyland comedian is today's guest star? Oh, I should know this because, you know, there's only five episodes on <laughs> Disney Plus and this is one of them, but I, I'm not sure. Comedian Wally Bogue from Disneyland's oh, Golden Horseshoe Review. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, October 5th. Walt Disney's 15th feature film was released on October 5th, 1949. What is the title of the film? Okay, 49, 15. It's one of your favorites. I... I'm trying to go back. I feel like trivia two or three weeks ago, we were, we were covering, <laughs> we covered Song of the South and we covered, um, I think the question was, I think it involved Melody Time and Fun and Fancy Free or Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Um, and I, it was fun and fancy free for that. So I'm going to say right in here, I'm going to say Ichabod and Mr. Toad. That's right. The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. The animated film features the voices of Bing Crosby, who narrates Washington Irving's The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, and Basil Rathbone, who narrates Kenneth Graham's tale, The Wind in the Willows. Of course, the Wind in the Willows segment will inspire the Mr. Toad's Wild Ride theme park attraction, first at Disneyland and then at Walt Disney World. And the Ichabod Crane inspired Halloween. So <laughs> yes, well, and he has a, the Sleepy Hollow little restaurant. Oh, yeah, that too. But <laughs> mostly Halloween. That's yes. why. And that's why a, we're allowed to celebrate it, Walt Disney World. <laughs> and there is a sign for him. Um, you know, you can get music lessons from him yeah. mm-hmm. over in Liberty Square. I was disappointed that for the Boo Bash. As those those little cavalcades that went through, that they um, they could have had the the headless horseman go through the park. 
I mean, I, they could have, but I'm assuming it had to do something with the uh, equity of the horses. Like their their union was didn't want to come together. So basically, the, mm. the morning trolley horse, you know that that one gets stuck working, but the rest of them, the the other stars, you know, they're they're holding out for more money or negotiating something now. Oh well. Anyway, October sixth. Although open since October 1st, what Walt Disney World attraction opened on October 6th, 1971? Governor of Florida, Reuben Askew, formerly opened the $3 million attraction. I'm not sure what it is. It was the Sunshine Pavilion. Songstress Anita Bryant sang the Orange Bird song in Orange Tree with the governor of Florida, Ruben Askew, pressing a button on an orange to formally open the Tropical Serenade at Sunshine Pavilion Attraction. I feel like I remember seeing a photo of this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's out there. It was a big deal at the time. Gorgeous. I mean, come on. <laughs> Okay, October 7th. What legendary animator passed away in Los Angeles at age 100 on October 7th, 1990? He may be best known as the creator of the animated character Betty Boop. He also worked on Walt Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and Ferdinand and the Bull. Ferdinand the Bull. You got me on this one. Myron Grimm Natwick. So. He trained in art schools in Chicago, New York, and Vienna before becoming an animator in 1921. Natwick was awarded the Windsor McKay Award in 1975. Okay, October 8th. The Maxwell House Coffee Shop, located on Disneyland's Main Street that has been operating since December 1995, closed on October 8th. 1957. It will be sponsored and replaced by another coffee maker in June 1958. Who became the new sponsor of the coffee house? I have no idea. <laughs> Hills Brothers Coffee House. It will remain open until 1976. Yeah. How could I forget about Hills Brothers? That's right. Are they still around? I don't drink coffee. I have no idea. Never heard of them before, so I'm going to say no. Maybe it's oh, a okay. thing. They were really popular um, I when I was a boy. They were one of the big ones. Hills Brothers, Maxwell House. But my parents drank um, MJB coffee. Never heard of that one either. Came in a green can. I think that's gone. Hmm. So. so many ones that didn't survive. Yeah. But, boy, but Hills, Hills Brothers, I think, had a... Um, uh, a Middle Eastern fellow in a turban who is raising like a cup of Turkish coffee up as he like looked like he was walking through the desert or something. So anyway, well, he was drinking it. it, drinking the coffee. Yeah, I, that is exactly what it is. I looked up the label just because I was interested in it. And uh, apparently the uh, it's from San Francisco. So that would That's explain... Right. Why? Maybe why you're more familiar with it than mm -hmm. than I am. But uh, apparently, it's still around to this day. Nestle bought it at one point, and I think Sarah Lee owns it now. So, oh, okay. No, when I was a boy, they had an area where um, it, there there was Hills Brothers Coffee was there, Kilpatrick's Bakery. Um, I think it was 
Budweiser? No, it's Ham Spear. They were all in that area. It was like the little manufacturing area. And my dad had a client down there, and he would take me down there sometimes. So in the morning, it smelled great because the Kilpatrick's Bakery was baking their bread. And they, and then, um, but then you could smell the beans burning of Hills Brothers and all that. My, I think that's one of many reasons I don't care for coffee because I really hated the smell of those roasting, burning beans, coffee beans. So anyway, October 9th, the very first Disney Channel television film debuted on October 9th, 1983. And it starred Roy Scheider and Justin Henry. What is the title of the film? I do not know. Oh, I remember watching this when it first came on. Tiger Town. And the film stars Roy Scheider as an aging baseball player for the Detroit Tigers. And Justin Henry as a young fan who believes in him. And the Detroit Tigers manager, Sparky Anderson, who's managing the team at this time in real life, appears frequently throughout the movie. As does Mary Wilson, a former Supreme, who's singing the national anthem. Interesting. No, they should put this one. on Disney+. Plus. I remember this was a good film. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, all righty. Well, not too bad. Oh, no, this was a bad week. I don't think I knew the last four. Oh, I don't know. I don't keep track. (laughs) Well, Craig, I I mentioned to Give Kids the World this family reunion earlier. And when I got home from it, I got a Walt Disney World survey. And I'm always interested in these surveys when I do get them because – you know, it makes you, the topics make you wonder, what are they thinking about? Exactly. You know, so this one wanted to know, first of all, how I traveled to and from Walt Disney World. Did I use Magical Express? Did I use Uber, Lyft, or something like that? Did I rent a car? You know, all of that. So we went through several questions about that. Then it wanted to know, did I stay on or off property? So once I selected on property, it wanted to know where on property. So I selected that. Then it wanted to know what parks did I visit on which days. So I had to select all those. And and sometimes it was, you know, multiple parks because I park hopped. And then how did I travel to and from each of those parks each day? And they listed all kinds of monorails, ferries, buses, rental car, friend picking me up and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So um, then it wanted to know um, how often did I visit so that it did that. I want to know if I went to anything else in Orlando, you know, any other places. And then it wanted to know how often in my life did I visit Walt Disney World, you know, and it was best mm-hmm. guess. And then and then it wanted like years and months and you know, and number of times and all this stuff. And then it wanted to know about all the other Disney parks and resorts around the world and how many times I had visited them. When was my last visit and, and all of that. Then I wanted to know about all the Disney affiliations I have, like D23, DVC, Club 33, Walt Disney World Annual Pass, Disneyland Magic Key, Castaway, um, club. Uh, I mean, you name it. It was listed yeah. in there. 
And then it wanted to know which type of Disney and non-Disney vacations have I taken? Then it listed Disney Cruise Line Adventures by Disney. You listed all these things. And then it wanted to know how many times I took one. When was the last time I took one? You know, and for all the parks and all that, when was the last time I went to each park and all that? And then um, was really interested in how many non-Disney vacations have I taken, especially cruises, multi-day cruises. They want to know how many Disney cruise lines mm-hmm. I did, but how many non-Disney cruises did I take and all that. And again, when was the last time I cruised and, um, on each lines? And then it was especially interested in, um, well, and then, then, then it totally switched. So it wanted to know what streaming services did I subscribe to? And it listed pretty much every one major streaming service there was and Disney and non Disney. And then it wanted to know if I dis- if I subscribed to Disney plus as part of a bundle. And then, then it asked all the, you know, where you know there was where you located geographically and yeah you know and all the other sort of stuff that they tip all these surveys typically ask more personal questions mm-hmm. about who you are and how much money do you make and stuff like that so it was interesting so they were they cast a wide net in this survey yeah that's uh you know you can pinpoint different little themes in there but uh they really wanted a lot <laughs> Jeez, yeah please. yeah they did it took a it took a little while to to fill this out. I always think, gosh, I should get some sort of a prize for doing this. But they make it very clear you're not getting any compensation for completing this survey. You know what? I'd probably complain less if I got a little five dollar gift card. Even <laughs> yeah, yeah, that buys one so. fourth of a pen. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but it'll be so it'll be interesting to see after the after I travel back from the 50th, if they send me another survey. I will be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just make sure to fill in for everyone's sake, how you uh, took the magical express from the airport to property. And then uh, you took magical express to the parks every single day, rather than <laughs> Disney buses, you paid them extra and they, they took you wherever you wanted to go. And so magical express should never leave. Uh, but you are willing to travel to other destinations that aren't Disney as well. <laughs> yes. Well, I did. Oh, yeah. They even want to know about Alani and, you know, all that. But, um, I did, but I did take Magical Express from the resort to the airport, but I'd seen those lines that people were posting about Magical Express getting from the airport to their resorts. And I thought, I don't even want to deal with that. I don't know if there are lines, but I also don't like the fact. The first time Carolyn, one of the times Carolyn and I took Magical Express on one of our trips to Walt Disney World, we were staying, we went with a friend and we, oh, it was before the, um, Panama Canal cruise and we stayed, we weren't Disney Vacation Club members then. Um, we were halfway through the cruise. Um, we stayed at Pop Century and so we did Magical Express. We did not know our bags didn't go on the bus with us. And, oh my um, gosh. We, it was close to midnight by the time we got our bags. And I just said, never again. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I always drag, even though they said, oh, we'll get your bags for you. And I said, no, I dragged my bags with me and I made sure they went on the bus anytime we took Magical Express yeah. from then on. I get that. So, <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, anyway, Craig, until next time, how can our listeners connect with you? Um, as always, you can find me on all the different forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I am at Teleclaster. Uh, you can email me, Craig at www.info.com. You can find me on all the other shows on the Diz. I'm all over the place. But what about you, Michael? You can send me messages at michael at wdwinfo.com. Twitter, I'm at mbowling121. Facebook, I'm michaelbowling connecting with Walt. Instagram, I'm michaelbowlingthediz. And you can connect with me and Craig on Twitter at connectingwalt. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes on the link Craig includes in our show notes or at disneyunplugged.com. Look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Pandora, and Amazon Podcasts, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings when possible. So thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing that was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother, Roy. And happy 50th anniversary to Walt Disney World. 